Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. November 22nd, 2022, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. Live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces, you can hear the show shortly thereafter in its entirety on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. Hope everyone's having a great week. I am Mike Heck. We are a couple of days away from Thanksgiving here in the United States. A lot to be thankful for, of course. And we'll talk about that throughout the show today. We are... Coming off of a pretty strange weekend in the world of combat sports, the Bellator 288 card was pretty fun. We had some good finishes on the main card. Vadim Nemkov did the damn thing, beat Corey Anderson. I honestly didn't see that one coming, but gets the job done, remains the Bellator light heavyweight champion, and won himself a cool Millie. So congratulations to him. And as I predicted, although the fight lasted a lot longer than I thought it than I thought it would, Usman Nurmagomedov just runs over Patricky Pitbull to become the Bellator lightweight champion of the world. Habib Nurmagomedov now has the lightweight champions of the UFC and Bellator in his camp right now with Islam Makachev and Usman Nurmagomedov. And something tells me that Usman Nurmagomedov will be the Bellator lightweight champion until he leaves the promotion. I don't think anybody beats this guy. I know a lot of people think Tofik Masayev could be the guy, and I like Tofik a lot. I just think it's he's a bad matchup for everybody right now. And he's only 24 years old. He's got a long way to go. This guy's going to be a problem in this space for a very, very, very long time. Saturday, we had the UFC. We lost the main event between Derek Lewis and Sergey Spivak. I began to heard, hear rumblings even before we went on for the people's pre-fight show, not enough to actually confirm anything. I kind of was not surprised about the announcement when it came out, but again, didn't have enough to report anything, but I had heard rumblings. I'm sure you guys saw some tweets from folks that were inside the building as well. And the fight didn't happen. 
Maybe they rebook these guys. Not really sure what happens. But we got Kennedy and Jachukwu getting the main event spot. Goes out and finishes Iwan Kutalaba in the second round. He's an interesting guy. I loved his post-fight interview. I know we talk about doing the thing. If there's one person who doesn't need to do the thing, it is probably Kennedy and Sachukwu. I just loved everything about his speech. Anything outside of what he said is would just not be real. This is just the kind of guy he is. Thanked everybody on the UFC staff from Dana White all the way down to the janitors inside the apex. And then when he was asked who he wants to fight next, he said, whoever the UFC gives me and I'll cherish it forever. Just the best. So I'm curious to see if he's a good fighter. And what I mean by that is, is he a guy that can be a top 10 205-er? I don't know. I have lots of questions, but I'm ready to watch this guy fight again. And it'll be, it'll be interesting to see who they match him up against. And then, of course, we had the stupid Misfits boxing card and Greg Hardy beat Haseem Rockman Jr. Here's one thing I'll say about that whole thing. Haseem Rockman Jr. is not a good boxer, and I think he actually did himself a favor not boxing Jake Paul because I think Jake Paul would have blown the doors off of him. This guy, and I understand Greg Hardy had 94 pounds on him, but Haseem Rockman Jr. is just not a good boxer. He's not good. He'd beat me, but he wouldn't beat Jake Paul. I'll tell you that right now. So Greg Hardy continues on. He calls out Tyson Fury, which is so silly. Although there is a part of me as a human being that would love to watch that fight happen. But I don't know. Lots to talk about. So we'll tag you guys in. We'll get your thoughts on the weekend that was, whatever is on your mind. Maybe somebody will give me the hot tag because I have some things I would like to say. But I want to turn it over to you first and we'll see if someone gives me the tag because see some people calling out the website. I don't like it. I don't like it at all, and I'm here to defend it. So let's get after this thing. And then also, because I don't want this just to be that kind of a show, we're not going to have a show again until Friday. So since it is going to be Thanksgiving here in the United States on Thursday, and I know this doesn't mean everything for everybody, but this time of year we like to talk about what we're thankful for. So let's talk about what we're thankful for in the world of MMA. Okay, it could be – UFC could be a certain fighter or fight. It doesn't matter. Whatever you want. We'll leave it open to interpretation. But Double A was first in line. He was ready to go. So let's get him going. Double A, hello. What's up, buddy? Okay, how you doing? I'm doing good. Um... I've got I've got a couple for you. Um, the first one, um, it has to do with um something that um, Michael Chandler came out and said there was a clip from an interview where he said it's to do with um the the fouls he committed against Dustin Poirier where he said he poss- he there's a chance he hit Dustin Poirier in the back of the head once, and after after that because uh, it was a clip after that it cuts to the fight itself and he hits him back of the head. It's about eight times. I'm curious as to why the heck, especially someone like Michael Chandler, why in the world would he lie? Is it an ego thing? Is he trying to protect his reputation? I'm just curious on why you think he would lie. 
And my second my second question is, um, Hamza Chimaev is calling everyone in, out and their dog at the moment, it seems. I just want to know your thoughts on that that whole thing going on. And what I'm thankful for in MMA, um, the fact that um, USA Holento is coming up soon, that, that, that is such an exciting card on paper, and I'm really looking forward to it. All right. You have a heck of a morning, Mike. Everyone listening, have a heck of a morning. You're awesome, and uh, peace. Thanks, man. Yeah, the Shamai thing, not surprising. There was talks about January, him fighting Pereira. Now he's saying that he agreed to fight Pereira December 10th. I don't necessarily believe him. I could be wrong, but why would Pereira fight Hamza Shamayev right now? It doesn't make any sense. Unless something happened and Izzy's hurt and he's out for like a year, it literally makes no sense for him to fight Hamzat Shemaev right now. Literally makes no sense. So he's probably better off just waiting for Adesanya and, and doing that. But if Adesanya's out for a long time and he wants to make a big bag, go fight Shemaev. But I, I just don't think that fight makes any sense for him. Like, there's no upside, really. He gets a bag, probably loses. What's the point? Hamzat's supposedly a welterweight right now. Dana White said that they're going to try him out as a welterweight. They're trying to get this fight with Colby done. I don't know. I'll I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. And the Chandler thing, I don't know if he's like necessarily lying. I just think it's it's very hard to... I haven't watched the interview on the MMA Hour. I was actually off yesterday, so I, I saw some clips. Um... I was out playing golf yesterday. I just wanted to take a day away from MMA, if you will. And I, I mean, we, we were watching it. We noticed that he was kind of hitting him in the back of the head. I don't think they're intentional. And I think the back of the head rule is kind of dumb because it's almost impossible in some of those scenarios to avoid it. You could try, but if the fighter you're fighting turns his head a certain way, it's almost impossible to, to avoid it. And I think that rule is kind of dumb unless you're like, unless you're like, actually holding his head down like face first and dropping elbows to the back of the head. I don't know. So do I think it was like intentional? No. Do I think he tried to blow snot blood all over Dustin Poirier? You're damn right. I do. And I don't care. I honestly don't care. That fight was awesome. And Dustin Poirier's G and Chandler's a G too. And I'm down for him fighting Connor, I'm down for him fighting Mazadal. I think that's kind of where Chandler's at right now. Just fun fights. You're not fighting for a title. Just get in there and just punch people in the face. Have fun scraps. Get or get got. And that's it. All right, since he's dropping emoji after emoji, let's go to Provolone. Yep. What's up? How are we? Good. Uh, do you think that UFC is racially biased towards their uh, main events? What do you mean? I don't know. I joined this conversation. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> I mean, it, I, I asked why you asked that because, I mean, you got to give me some context before you throw something out like that. We just saw Derek Lewis is in a main event. We just saw Israel Adesanya in a main event. We just saw, I mean, what are you talking about? What the hell are you talking about? 
Let's go to Toke. He thinks he's going to be the guy to give me the hot tag. So let's see. gonna give you the hot tag i'm sorry uh i what i want to talk about is uh, celebrity boxing my uh jesus um so where do we start firstly did we just get proof that it would prove absolutely nothing about jake paul's ability if if he had actually fought hasim rockman but holy god he was bad uh, against uh, greg hardy and greg hardy is not a good boxer He's not even a good MMA fighter. He's nothing. He's just an athlete. Nothing more. How can Hasim Rahman get outboxed by Greg Hardy? That makes no sense. He's oh my god! I didn't realize Hasim Rahman would be this bad. That's just so insane. And I want to get a quick thought from you about. Um, firstly, I don't think this fight will happen. But I just want your reaction to the whole KSI Dylan Dennis thing. Because we all know that Dylan Dennis is a grappler. He's not, he's, I don't even know if he's really an MMA fighter, but he's damn sure not a boxer. What are we doing? And he's not even a draw. He's, I know people talk about him, but he, <laughs> when has he proven to be a draw? It makes no sense. It's just, why? Um, but okay, never mind. And lastly, you wanted to, uh, to uh, know what I'm thankful for. I'm just thankful that we didn't get Jake Paul and Hasim Rockman because that would have been a fucking murder. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> have a good day, Mike. I'm going to hang up. <laughs> that was the best. That was the best toe call in history right there. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Jake Paul would have destroyed Hasim Rockman. Would have destroyed him. Like, that fight would not have been competitive for even a minute. Jake Paul would have knocked him out real real quick. So it is a blessing, at least for Hasim Rockman Jr., that that fight didn't happen. The Greg Hardy thing, I, I again, just going back to what you just said, Hasim Rockman Jr. is just not good at boxing. He's just not good. And, again, you could throw the well, he weighed 94 pounds more than him. So what? Like, it, it, he just is not good. He's just not a good boxer. He got knocked down by Greg Hardy. He's just not good. And then the Dylan Dennis thing. Holy shit. This guy. I don't, like, I don't get it. And I'm not going to say, I agree. He's not a draw. People aren't going to be like, ooh, Dylan Dennis is fighting. Let me plop down $40 or whatever it is. But he is... He is like the ultimate villain right now. I think people would prop, plop down $40 to just watch him get his ass whooped. Because Dylan Dennis getting in skirmishes or being part of skirmishes that don't go well for Dylan Dennis, people seem to like that. People seem to like that. And as a matter of fact, I'll be speaking to someone later on today who knows something about punching Dylan Dennis in the face. So stay tuned for that. But I don't understand it. KSI is going to kill this man. But I, I also, I'll get to you in a second, Anthony. Uh, I also, much like the Pereira Shamayev stuff, I will believe that fight happens when it happens. When I see both guys in the ring and they start throwing punches at each other, 
then I'll believe that fight happens. I have, I mean, if someone was like, Mike, would you bet a hundred dollars? This fight doesn't happen. Give me whatever odds you want. And I'm taking it. Cause it's not, I don't think it happens. I think, and I'm stunned. Bellator is allowing this to happen. Wow. Anthony. Hello. Nope. I lost him. All right. Nope. I got him back. Anthony. Hello. Anthony? Yo, can you hear me? There we go. Uh, heck of, heck yep, I got morning, you. Man. Uh, I don't know. Maybe this is wrong, dude. I don't think it's wrong, but I'm, I was sitting there watching the Bellator card in person, and it was not the best. And then I go and sit and watch the UFC, who has no headliner, and I'm way more entertained for that five hours. And I was even way more entertained watching one at – three in the morning than I was live at Bellator. Also, uh, I just wanted a piece of advice. I had my first interview with uh, Curtis Blades uh, and Clay Guida's old wrestling coach in uh, college because that's where I go. And uh, I interviewed him. It was nice, but we're in an office. And now I have uh, another interview coming up, but I'm actually going to a fighter's gym. Is there, like, anything you recommend, like, a, a piece of equipment that, like, works the best in, in gyms? Or is there just any advice that go about going to an interview in a gym? Because I've seen you had a couple. And uh, what I'm thankful for is the MMA, man. So combat sports in general, bro. It's every week, week in and week out, the greatest shit we watch. Have a heck of a morning, man. Thank you. Thanks, man. My advice is just have decent equipment, man. Just have something. Have a good camera. Have a microphone that works. Uh, I dealt with that before after interviewing Jorge Mazadal. Did a great interview with him. Then realized about three minutes in that the microphone just died. And I didn't know it. So I'm trying to send this interview along to the MA Fighting crew to get it all edited and get ready to put on YouTube. And realized that there's no sound. Luckily, I went out and bought another microphone right when the place closed in Savannah, Georgia. Luckily, Mazadal and his manager were tremendous individuals. It allowed me to redo the interview in the middle of the street in Savannah, Georgia. So that worked out nice. So good microphone, decent camera. Just make sure you can actually hear it. Like a lot of times in gyms, there'll be sparring. There'll be bags being punched. There'll be the sound of the timers going off and stuff. Like you want to try to get into a quieter space if possible. And make sure you just get sound quality because there's nothing worse than trying to do an interview and someone's trying to get an answer or hear your, the answer and you just hear the timer go off. Uh, so just make sure you're kind of in a quieter space. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. And then just have fun with it. You get a different vibe when you're actually in the gym and you see these fighters coming out of a training session or, or something like that. You, you kind of get them in their environment. It's not They're not necessarily talking about it's not fight week or anything like that. So it's kind of a different vibe and it's a lot of fun. Let's go to Viking and then we'll go to Mikey and then we'll go to Joe. Viking. Hello. Good. How are you? Just want to talk about uh, Arnold Allen's recent comments about the interim step, strap fight. And I completely agree with him. So if Vox gets injured, just like you said about uh, 
at the Sanya for one year. So do you think Dilran Allen versus winner of Perth interim fight? Thank you, brother. Thanks, man. Yeah, I I, I read some some transcripts of of that interview, and yeah, I, I feel like Allen should have been involved. Here's the thing. I honestly, I think the best thing for Arnold Allen and for Josh Emmett and for Yair and for the rest of this division, honestly, is that Volkanovski beats Islam Makachev. Because I tr- Volkanovski can say until he's red in the face that I'm going to defend both belts. And that's cool if you want to have that mentality. And if Volk really believes that and he wants to do it, then good on him. But just look at the players at 45 and then compare them to the players at 55. If Volkanovsky wins the lightweight title, why in God's name would he want to go back to 45? I don't get it. Like, it makes no sense to me. Outside, like, you can be active all you want, but if you're trying to become a superstar, if you're trying to secure the bag, so to speak, you're not going to secure any bags at 145. You're going to secure them all at 55. Fighting Poirier and fighting Connor and fighting Chandler and Oliveira and those guys. Like the fights at 155 are so much bigger. They're so much bigger. Gigantic. And I don't know who Arnold Allen even fights at this point. So, I mean, Allen could obviously tag in and step in if Emmett or Yair get hurt or something. So he's there for that. If not, you throw him in London. And I don't know who you throw him up against, honestly. Korean Zombie would make sense, but you would think Korean Zombie would want to fight in February on that South Korea card. I, I, I would keep him far away from Max Holloway because why would you make that fight? Max doesn't need the title. Let's keep him away from the title picture. Just throw Max in fun fights, things that get him hungry. That's what we want. So I, I don't know. It kind of stinks for Allen, honestly. Because he's going to be probably fighting the winner of Bryce Mitchell and Ilya Taporia. The winner doesn't get banged up in that fight. So, yeah, it's, he's, he's the odd man out. It kind of stings. I would put Allen in that. And I would actually made the interim fight Allen versus one of those guys. And I would have put it on that London card or that UK card, wherever that's going to be. Makes way more sense in my eyes. But... I am not the UFC, nor the matchmakers. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year, at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S Y L 
V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Mikey, hello. One, uh, I don't know if you're doing a show before the holiday, but for all who all who celebrate here, Americans who celebrate here, happy Thanksgiving. If you don't celebrate, have a great off day getting drunk. Um, anyways, quick note about Dylan Dennis. Can we just just be frank? Complaining about Dylan Dennis is redundant because it's this simple. If you don't want to hear about him, don't talk about him. Not obviously the media is going to talk about him because they need to because he's trying to draw up headlines. That's fine. But as fans, remember. You guys have the power to bring attention to stuff. You know, the Connor comment about Habib, I don't care. I'm not going to comment on that because I don't care. Connor's just trying to drum up controversy. Dylan Dennis, he's just an attention whore. He's just trying to get attention. You know how you snuff that out? Don't pay attention. Like, seriously, don't engage it. Don't nothing. But no, Twitter, Twitter people always got to retweet that shit and make fun of him and stuff. It's like you're giving him what he wants. You want him to go away? Don't pay attention to him. And, um, there's actually, you know, no UFC this week, ironically, but there's been there's a solid, you know, lineup of fights. The PFL Championship this Friday, and, you know, it's funny we were dogging it and pay per view prices and all that stuff. At the end of the day, we're gonna check it out. Probably, it's not the worst card I've ever seen, but at least it's something to hold us over. So I'm curious, man. Do you think? I mean, I know the answer is gonna be no, but do you think Larissa Pacheco is actually gonna pull it off this time? Because wouldn't that be ironic? Their first pay per view entry, primarily because. They need to pay Kayla Harrison, and she loses. Wouldn't that be wild? And two, um, <clears throat> I just want to – I'm going to note this in the coming weeks. I understand we all love UFC 282. It's a great matchup and a great card and everything. It's got great depth, but I'm one of those people where it's just like, you can't sit there and tell me that a card is, is great when there's not a single women's fight on it. I think I talked about it earlier a couple weeks ago, but again, it's getting closer. I'm just sitting there going like, there's still not a women's fight on there. The Alexander Gustafson OSP fight got scrapped. Just take that card out and add a women's fight. You know? Anyways, that'll be all. Be kind, guys. See you around. Uh, World Cup next. Later. Thank you, sir. Yeah, it could... Uh... Yeah, could use a women's fight. Card's good. Card's good. You got a couple at 281. I think you had three, three women's fights at 281. Yeah. It's tough to put one on there now unless you're just, just winging into debutantes at this point. But all the big, all, all the big compelling fights and those who are available, just, just not available right now. But I, I get where you're coming from. We got three at 281. We got a bunch coming up at 283. I'm sure we'll see a couple at 284. Maybe the return of Casey O'Neill. Yeah. The Dennis thing, I agree with you. The Connor Habib thing, I completely agree with you. PFL card, I just, I just don't. The, the price point is just such a turnoff in a lot of people's eyes. I just don't think anybody's going to watch it. I'll be watching it. I got, I got to draw the straw. 
So I'll be I'll be part of the coverage team for MMA fighting for the PFL card. Um, and I I wish I could say I'm looking forward to it. It's just gonna be a long night. Six potential five round fights. Golly. Do I think Kayla Harrison's gonna win? Yes. So I don't know. Hopefully it's good. I mean, I, I would love to be proven wrong. I would love to be proven wrong and be able to say after the end, this is a great card. So hopefully they prove me right or prove me wrong. No one has brought up the hot tag subject yet. I'm stunned. Joe, hello. How you doing, Mike? Heck of a morning to you. You I'm excited that I get to be the first person to bring it up. So I know it'll be the hottest topic in the space we do tonight, but, uh, what do you think of James Krause? I've been calling. I've been telling everybody that'll listen to me for at least six months. If you want to know where the fix and the rig is, look at James Krause. Follow this guy on social media. Follow the things he's telling people. I mean, I can legit. I'm not tooting my horn, but I've legitimately at least six months been telling people. Want to see the rig? Watch for James Krause. So I'm very curious to know what your take on that whole situation and James Krause's involvement particularly is. That's all I got. Uh, very thankful that John Jones may return in 2023. Yes, very possible. And look, what, what have I been telling you for months? been telling you this for months. John Jones wasn't fighting in December. He was fighting in March, if he's going to fight. The Francis one's the one they want. March is what they want. I've been telling you guys this for so long now. So you see people, these reports and scoops, insiders and stuff like that. We've been telling you this on the show for months, that that's the plan. And if Francis isn't healed by then, we could see Curtis Blades. That's possible. That is a possibility. Nothing is done. Nothing is signed. None of that stuff is done. Plan A is Francis Ngannou versus John Jones. There are still things that need to be done for that to happen, obviously. And ding, 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 you have hit me with the hot tag topic. You've hit me with James Krause. Let me just say this. I talked about this a little bit on Saturday on the post-fight show. For those who have no idea what's happening, Miles Johns competed on Saturday, got a win over... Who the hell? I don't even remember who the frig he fought. Uh, Vince Morales. Vince Morales. Gets a win, gets on the mic, and says, finds, basically says, I found out the day before that my coach was suspended, was pulled out of the fight. So I talked to some folks, nobody was willing to go on the record, but I got to the point where I could essentially say the UFC did not suspend it from what I was, from what I understood. And again, I'll, I'll get into the hot taggy part of this in a moment, but from what I understood, the UFC did not suspend him. They did not pull him. This is a commission call. And I know that Kevin Ioli from Yahoo sports reported the same thing. Kevin was actually in the building. So he has access to certain employees, certain commission officials, because they're there. So you could just walk up and ask them these questions. And from what, I, what I've gathered and what I talked about on Saturday is this wasn't a, hey, James, you're guilty of fight fixing. It was, hey, there's this investigation going on with one of your fighters. Not a good look if you're actually out there cornering guys. So until this investigation is over, probably best that you're not out there. And that's what we talked about on Saturday. 
So here's where the hot taggy thing comes in. I saw some morons, some clout chasers. I, I, I forget his name, something joiner or something. Be like, because he does this a lot. Oh, there's this huge story going on and oh, there's MMA fighting, not commenting on it, not doing a story on it when this is a massive story. Hey, idiot, you don't just make things up. You actually have to go out and talk to people and get confirmation. You can't just report things that somebody else reported. Now, some sites can do that because that's okay. But there are certain sites, us being one of them, that are not going to do that in a situation like this. We are actually going to reach out to people and wait for somebody to actually confirm this information. Now, if you think that we have been sitting on our ass this entire time, Mike Russell, then you're a moron. Then you are a moron. Jason Floyd and all these other people. Because people send me this shit and I don't really care, but I knew this was going to come up at some point today. You really think that the second Miles John said that, that we weren't out texting people and messaging people and calling people and emailing people? Do you really think we're just going to ignore this story? Why? Why would we ignore it? Why would we ignore it? That makes no sense. But we're also not going to make things up. Now, I understand that Yahoo did a report on it. And I understand that ESPN did a report on it. They have sources that actually spoke to them. I can't even begin to tell you how many phone calls and emails and text messages that I have sent out since Saturday. Dozens. Dozens. And guess what? No one's talking. Nobody. No one has gotten back to any of us. And it's not just me sending these messages out. We're all, we're all sending them out. You honestly think that we're not going to try to report on this. All we can, all we could say is miles. John said his coach was suspended. All, we did find out that the UFC did not suspend him. And then we confirmed that again yesterday, as a matter of fact, talking to a couple people within the organization who aren't a hundred percent sure what has happened, but they did not suspend him. So it has to be, if anybody pulled him, it was probably the commission, which some people have reported as well. I can't even begin to tell you how many times I've contacted the commission. I can't even begin to tell you how many times I've contacted New Jersey because they, their gaming division, at least reported by ESPN, apparently is banning any sort of bets that come from a fighter or a training partner or anything involving James Krause. And I've reached out to them multiple times saying, is this true? Is this accurate? And I'm not saying ESPN would not be accurate. They're very good at what they do. They're the fucking broadcast partner for the UFC. So I'm sure they're not going to lie about anything. But at the same time, are we just supposed to take their word for it? What if they're wrong? What if for some reason they're wrong and we just went by what they said or just made shit up? You can't do that. You can't do that. So for all you idiots out there, who are talking shit to get clout and all of that by mentioning our name, but not adding anybody. For all of you out there who are talking shit, if you honestly think that we haven't actually tried to confirm any of this, then you are a moron. Then you are an absolute idiot. But we're not going to make shit up. If other websites want to be like, report and talk about what ESPN reported, that's cool. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. We're going to reach out to people and we're going to try to get the answers for ourselves. We're going to try to find different angles. And I swear to God, 
I have been doing, I've been reaching out to people since Saturday and no one is saying a thing. Nobody is saying a thing. So there you go. And when they do say a thing, we will tell you about it and we will write about it and we will report on it and we'll try to get comment from James and his team or whoever. But I've literally reached out to everybody about this. I have literally reached out to everybody involved and no one is saying anything. There you go. Now, I also talked about on Saturday that as far as the investigation goes at this point, no one is like in trouble. No one is this. No one is that. Now, I could be, maybe things will change. Maybe things will change in that. I don't know. But I will say this. If Krauss was somehow involved with this Derek Minner thing, then he is one of the dumbest people in the history of the world. Like you were, you would be the first person that would be pointed to in this situation. And no, I like, honestly, I want to believe in humanity enough that nobody is that stupid. And I don't think James Krause is that stupid. Now, are there, have there been times discords and stuff like that, where maybe he's put out some insider information. I've seen screenshots and stuff. I'm not part of the discord, but people have sent me stuff. It's not good. It's not good. But yeah, is there some kind of shadiness going on? Sure. Do I think that the UFC implemented this rule of UFC fighters not gambling on UFC fights? Do I think that this was, quote unquote, maybe a James Krause rule? Perhaps. I don't know for sure. But again, if you don't think we have been trying to find answers to these questions, then you're just wrong. You're just wrong. And if you don't know what you're talking about, shut the fuck up. Okay, you got Boston Mike. Joe, do you have any more to add? Yeah, I just wanted to tell you that for sure, after it was announced that New Jersey was pulling the ability to bet on James Krause's fighters in Michigan, there were no lines on Miles Johns. You could not bet on him. You actually, so we do a two, uh, uh, space on Tuesday nights just about odds and gambling and shit. And I was complaining that I couldn't get a line on Miles Johns, and I didn't understand why. There was no lines, nowhere that I could find that come through to Michigan gambling sites where I could get a line on him. And then, I don't know, probably 36 hours later is when I found the story that New Jersey suspended indefinitely nationwide that no one can bet on James Krause's fighters. Like if James is the coach, you your fights can't be bet on right now. And I would chalk that all up to maybe, maybe not, but there were no lines for Miles Johns in Michigan. I parlay the whole card every week, Mike. I couldn't even put him in my parlay. Like there was no options. Interesting. Yeah. And I'm not surprised by that either. When you have when you have line movement like you saw for that Darren, Derek Minner fight, it's a red flag. I mean, it's clearly a red flag. Do I think that James Krause, like, placed all these bets? Of course. Like I, like I said, I like to believe in humanity enough that no one is that stupid. But there's, there's certainly some tomfoolery going on. There's no doubt about that. One person told a friend, and they told another friend, and people were throwing big bets. And it wasn't just betting on Nerd and Becca to win. It was... 
people betting on the fight ending in the first round. Nerd and Becca first round KO. Nerd and Becca this, Nerd and Becca that. Fight like over-unders going under. Like there was some tomfoolery going on. There's no doubt about it. Who it comes from, I don't know. Is James Krause the easy person to point at? Sure. Because of everything that we've seen. But again, I don't know anything. I don't know uh, anything. I don't know why he was pulled. I don't know who pulled him. I know the UFC didn't pull him. That's what we were told. The UFC did not pull James Krause from the corner. And from other reports, this was the commission who did that. And best believe I've reached out to multiple people who work for the commission. I've hit up everybody and no one's saying anything. So that's it. So if you're wondering, and by the way, we talked about it on Saturday. We talked about this on Saturday. So for someone who's saying that we didn't talk about it, we friggin' talked about it. I gave you everything I knew, which was very little, which was that the UFC didn't pull him. It seemed like a commission decision and that it wasn't because, hey, James, you're guilty. Get the fuck out of my, my building. No, it was because, hey, dude, you're kind of part of this investigation going on. You probably shouldn't be out there until this thing is case closed. That's what it seems like. That's what essentially I was told. But we're again, we're not going to write anything up or put it on our website unless we have information to actually report. We're not just going to be like, oh, we're not going to just mimic ESPN. They may be right. Who knows? What if they're wrong? If we just write it? No. No, we're not doing that. Believe me, I've sent out multiple messages this morning before I even came on here about it. I hit up the regional director for Nevada today. It is early over there. It's only 7.38 in the morning, so they probably haven't even seen it yet. But I've hit up literally everybody about this. Trust me when I tell you we're not sitting on our asses with this. But we're also not going to make up stories either. Sorry. You're an idiot if you think we're just ignoring this. Jay, hello. Hey, Mike, what's up, here? Yes, sir. So I just wanted to applaud you for your rant and going off about how you guys aren't reporting the story because <clears throat> when we look at journalism now, we're all the topics ranging from politics to entertainment to sports, it just shows that people are don't even really care about the facts. They just want to see the clickbait and well, who wants to produce the story out the fastest. But you're just you guys in MMA fighting are proving to us how you guys are real journalists and you don't want to post anything out there without getting the truth first. And that's what journalism is all about. And we're not seeing that anymore. And the fact that people now are complaining that you guys are putting out the story without having the facts together just shows that they don't care either. So keep doing what you guys are doing. And, and it just shows that how you guys in MMA fighting really care about what you guys are doing. And I applaud you all for that. And for a quick MMA question, what do you think Dustin Poirier is at right now after his win? Do you think maybe there's a chance for him to get a title shot? Do you think he should move up to 170? Where do you think he should go on with his career? Thanks, Mike. Have a heck of a morning, man. Uh, I appreciate that very much. And just to give another example, like, remember the Israel Adesanya news that went down last week? He's in New York, goes to the airport. There's reports that he was, like, arrested for the Nucks. You don't think, like, you don't think we reached out to people? Like, of course we did before we reported that story. Are you are you shitting me? Like, you think we're just going to put that out there? 
Like I know there are some sites out there that just report other people's news and they do it all the time. And that's how they get like all of their clicks. We're not like that. We got statements from Adesani's manager. We reached out to the port authority that actually quote unquote arrested him. We reached out to everybody before we put that story out there. You don't just write it. Some sites do, and that's fine. They don't care about journalism or all that. We do. We do, and we and I appreciate that. And we're not gonna we're not gonna write anything about James Krause until we get fucking answers about it. That's it. As far as Dustin Poirier goes, this dude is the man. He's the freaking man. And I don't know what he's gonna do next. Honestly, I honestly have no idea. I don't think Connor interests him. If Nate was still around, I think he would take that fight in a heartbeat. He doesn't seem all that interested in the Benil Dariush fight, although I feel like that's the best fight to make. But unfortunately, I think timing is going to be on Dustin's side because Dustin doesn't really care. He cares about his family and all that stuff first. And he talked on the MAR about having to pull his daughter out of school and have to get tutors for a month so he could go to Florida and prepare to fight Michael Chandler at MSG. He doesn't want to keep pulling his daughter out of school and, and taking her out of that spot. So... It doesn't look like he's going to fight till the summer. I don't know. I don't know. But if they give – the sky's the limit. If he wants to go fight dudes at 170, he can. Do I think he's in play for the title right now? Absolutely, I do. This guy's real good. This guy's real good. And there was conversation about maybe, maybe people were overvaluing him when it came to rankings. But after that fight with Michael Chandler, I think might be, we might be undervaluing what this guy actually has done in his career. Dude's incredible. And like I said last week, I talked to John Anik about Dustin Poirier, and John said it best. If you, were, if you were walking in an alley, in a dark alley, wouldn't you want Dustin Poirier by your side? And I think he has entered that conversation for sure if he hasn't been there already. Dude's real good. And he could, honestly, I think he's in a position where he could do whatever he wants. Let's go to Yaya. What's going on, big mate? How you doing, bro? Hey, good. How are you? question for you. So, um, I saw recently that Sweet Dreams uh, Hill just signed his contract. Um, and I was just one of the questions I had was if you knew who he was fighting, but also in terms of where you think he is in the title fight. I think his ascension has been amazing ever since the you know the Paul Craig fight, um, and just you know what his prospects are for a title fight. Appreciate you, man. Thanks, Thanks man. man. Yeah, absolutely. Um. So we haven't confirmed this yet. Uh, let me just look real quick. Let me just pull this up real quick and see where we're at. I just want to see where that post came from. Um. So it's it's reported that he's fighting Anthony Smith. That's what the reports say. The, the initial report said they didn't have a date or anything. Um, so maybe they do have a date. I'll, I'll try to reach out and try to confirm this later on today uh, at some point. I like Jamal Hill. I think this guy's a problem. Been saying it for a while. I feel like he was kind of... The way that Yuri Glover fight went... I kind of felt like he was the odd man out. 
in a lot of ways. And it's probably a good thing for him. And I think honestly, Anthony Smith is probably the best case scenario for him right now. Cause Anthony's Anthony's good. He's going to test him. He's going to have a chip on his shoulder, much like he did for the Ankalaya fight. Most people are probably gonna pick Jamal Hill to beat him, but Anthony's going to give him a fight. And Anthony's probably the biggest name he can fight right now, realistically. So yeah. But I don't know if that's it, if that is actually the fight. I, I From what we understood, it was being discussed. But date TBD, hopefully we try to get some information later on. Let's go to Solid Solar Bull. I feel like we're at a point where like we could make history. Now... Usman has been very interested in moving up eventually. And now that Israel has lost, I feel like this is kind of like a chance where we can do this crazy swap where Israel actually tries to cut some weight and goes down to 170 and fights Leon and Usman goes up to 185 and fights Pereira. Because I feel like both these matchups are very ideal for both these people. A striker at 170 with Israel's length sounds like an easy title and Usman with his wrestling credentials would Definitely put a lot of threat on Pereira. Thanks, man. Just wanted your opinions on it. Thanks, man. Interesting. I mean, if Israel Adesanya can make 170, that would be insane. I don't think that happens, honestly. Could we see Usman go up to 185 if Pereira retains the belt for a little while? Sure, but Usman's got to beat Leon first. and He's probably going to have to beat him again. Like, I don't know. Usman's going to have to be at Leon, and he's probably going to have to beat Hamzat before he can even talk about moving up. Like, if if Usman beat Leon the first time, and then this fight played out the way that it did with Pereira and Adesanya, we'd start talking about it right now. I can guarantee you that. But I don't think Usman would would jump Izzy. I don't think Usman would, would, would be like, eh, I'll, I'll jump over you. I think he'd be like, nah, I'll wait for Adesanya to get his, get his chance of redemption and go from there. Yeah, I don't know. If somehow Adesanya can make 170, that'd be crazy. But I feel like it'll be Adesanya moving up instead of moving down. But that'd be pretty freaking crazy if that happened. Let's go to Vampire Florin. Then we'll go to Kurt and then we'll go to Jamie. What's up, vampire? You burp like my nine-year-old, dude. Get it together. Kurt. Kurt, what's up, man? Kurt. Kurt, you're muted. Are you there? Hello? Wait a minute. I think. Yep, I got you. What's yeah. up, buddy? All right, try again, Kurt. I had you. I don't know. I don't know where you went. Let's go to Jamie. What's up, Jamie? Just unmute yourself. There we go. All right, perfect. Hey, how's it going? How's it going? Yeah, I got a good. How are you? Uh, pretty good. I, I don't think Izzy's gonna 
go down and wait for sure. I think I think he's got Alex. I mean, I think I think he's got him. It was a great fight. Uh, I'm kind of a huge Izzy fan. I'm a super big Alex fan now, though. But Alex just landed that perfect leg kick. You know what I mean? I think the real discussion though is like Hamza Shumaya, man. Do you, do you think he's like he's he's on standby now? Him and Kobe. I think that's going to be one of his hardest fights because personally, I think I think Izzy's going to have a lot of trouble with him. I really do. I don't like. I know Izzy loves rush guys like they like to rush and strike, but I don't know. I think Hums is a different animal. You know what I mean? Like the, I think I think he has the potential to be a double champ. What, what's your opinion on that? I mean, it's hard to it's hard to argue. I just don't. I I don't know if the the dude is a killer. There, there's no doubt about it. The dude has. He's just. He's a natural. He's a robot. The skills are there, and they're incredible. Now, Gilbert Burns did create some questions about him. Like, if you can survive that early onslaught, what happens? What happens when fights get extended with him? Now, there are certain... He's a dude that it's not going to happen very much. He's going to finish a lot of guys he fights in the first round. But the Colby fight is just so interesting to me because Colby, Colby is a really good wrestler. He's got a gas tank forever. And Colby's durable as hell. Dude is super durable. And if Colby can get out of that first round and keep this fight going second into the third, I think Hamza could have a problem. Like, I think it's a really competitive fight. I think it's one of the tougher fights that Hamza could have right now. Because I think Hamza would run over Leon Edwards. Usman would be interesting for the same reasons I just mentioned. But I feel like stylistically, stylistically, Colby, a fight with Colby would answer more questions than anything else. And again, I could he fight Pereira? Sure, it's a big fight, but it does nothing for Pereira. The fight with Adesanya is the biggest he can have right now. It's huge. And he wouldn't have to wait terribly long for it. Like, let the man smell his roses for a minute. We don't need to throw him right back in there in December or January, unless that's what he wants. But why would he fight Hamzad? Because he's probably going to lose that fight. If that, I mean, if Hamzad's planting seeds and that's something Pereira wants, they could build to that. But if they're really going to go Hamzad versus Colby, then... Let's just do that. Like, I don't like Hamza coming out and be like, hey, I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight Pereira for the belt in January, and then I'm going to cut to 170 in March and fight Colby. No, you're not. Focus on getting down to 170 now. Focus on that. Worry about that. That's what you got to worry about. Don't worry about anything else. Unless the UFC calls you and says, hey, six weeks, you're fighting Pereira for the middleweight title. Then... Eat your ass off. But until then, focus on getting down to 170. We'll go to Jose, then we'll go to the four-ounce sniper. What's going on, Jose? Say something about the whole Hamza situation. I don't think the right fight is, is Kobe. I, I, I do think it's a great fight. Don't get me wrong. But I would rather see Kobe go against Burns 
And then I really want to see Shavkat get rid of Jeff Neal. And then the, the dream matchup, Shavkat versus Hamza. But, uh, yeah, that's for me, man. That's what I want to see. What do you think? I mean, I don't hate it. Shavkat's, that, Shavkat's the dude. I, I feel like we're going to get there at some point. Just a matter of when and 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 how. I, I again, we just don't know if we just don't know what Hamzat's going to do. Is he going to be a welterweight or is he going to be a middleweight? If he's going to be a welterweight, then we can build to that. But if he just can't make one seventy, then we just have to let go of the stream at least for the time being. Shafkat's a problem, man. This dude's fighting for the belt. There's no doubt about it. The problem with Shafkat is. People, like fans know how good he is and they know he's going to be a problem. But Hamzat became a star like right away. And you could just throw Hamzat in there with anybody and it's must-watch television. I just don't know if Rachmanov is there yet. Like Hamzat, and it stinks to say, but it's been like this for a while. We've had other fighters kind of suffer from this over the years. If Shavkat can learn to speak English more consistently, he's going to get over much bigger. I can assure you of that. But his performances have, have friggin' done a lot of talking for him. That's for sure. This guy's going to fight for the belt. He's probably going to win the belt at some point. But until he, he until he gets over a little more, I just don't – I don't think he's – he's going to have a real hard time getting fights, man. Like, kudos to Neil Magny, who's just such a gangster and will fight anybody. Jeff Neal's a gangster for taking the fight, too. But once you get into the – the top tens of the world. I just don't know how many of these top 10 guys are going to be like, Ooh, I'll fight that guy. But if he gets over and becomes kind of a star, then the juice is a little more worth the squeeze for those guys to take these fights. But can't wait to see what he does. That Jeff Neal fight is going to be a good one. As far as the, the Colby Burns fight. I mean, sure. I would see it. But again, I mean, I've talked about this with Colby a bunch of times. Colby's a prize fighter. Colby wants the biggest prizes. There's just not a ton there with Gilbert. Just like there's not a ton there with Bilal Muhammad in his eyes. Like the fight for him is, is Hamzat. The, the, the most valuable fight he can get right now is Hamzat Shemaev. Un, unquestionably. That's the biggest fight. That fight can headline a pay-per-view. That can headline a, a pay-per-view on its own. Colby Burns doesn't. Good fight. Doesn't headline a pay-per-view. Colby against Blal doesn't headline a pay-per-view. Colby Hamzad headlines can headline a pay-per-view. That's for sure. So I think for him, all those fights are tough in their own ways. No doubt about it. Those are all tough fights for Colby. But from the from the prize fighting perspective. Stakes, money, spot on the card. It's Hamzad. And I think he would fight him. Like, I honestly think he would fight him. Now, do I, what I say, if I'm Colby, I got legit concerns about this guy making welterweight. You're damn right. And you can't blame him for that. Because if he sits there and prepares for this dude for a few months, and then they headline a pay-per-view in March or April, and then Hamzad comes, out, come, comes in at 176, then what are we doing here? 
But if you can guarantee Colby, hey, if he doesn't make weight, you get the next title shot. Colby might put pen to paper. I don't know. I understand why we'd have concerns, but I don't think the concern is fighting Hamzat. I think the concern would be, I don't want to waste my time if this guy's not going to make weight. So I think that's probably the biggest concern with what he's looking at. But I've talked to him before. He said he would fight. He would fight Hamzat. This is the biggest fight he can get right now. Him fighting Hamzat, no disrespect, because what Leon Edwards has done is great. Colby Hamzat sells better than Colby Leon right now, and it's not even close. So we'll see what happens. We'll see if they can get that fight done. Let's go to four-ounce sniper. Hello. What's going on, Mike? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Hey, heck of a morning. Uh, I feel a little embarrassed to say I actually enjoyed this past weekend's card like a lot. Like, I think I'm the only one that actually enjoyed it. Uh, the UFC card? Yeah. Yeah, the UFC card. I enjoyed it a lot. I had a great time. Uh, Jack Della Maddalena, Vanessa Demopoulos went out and showed out. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe my standards are low. Uh, but anyway, uh, two quick things. John Jones versus Francis Ngannou or Curtis Blades. I think John Jones smashes both. I'm not real big on John Jones, but I think he's just – I think he's just better. He's, you know, he's still somewhat young. I think he just has all the skills. And the IQ just to destroy just about anyone you put in front of him. And then Jack Della Maddalena. Who would you match him up next with? Because I think right now, I think he's ready for top 15. But uh, I just want to know your thoughts on that. Okay, sorry about that. Um, let me pull you off there. I'm not like, so this past Saturday's card is. I don't think anybody thought it was like a bad card, like in terms of entertainment, but there's, it's just, it was just fights. And we, we all like just fights, but we like, we like stakes. We like fights to matter. And we had none of that on this card, except for Jennifer Maya, Marina Morose. That one had at least some ranking stakes. The fights are fine. We got storylines. We got Miles Johns making a hell of a lot of work for me and the rest of the MA fighting staff. It was it was a fine card. It was fine. There were worse things to do on a Saturday than watch that event that ended pretty early in the day. And we got to see Kennedy and Chichuku have his moment. And you mentioned Vanessa Demopoulos. Saw Natalia Silva with one of the coolest knockouts of the year. There was some I mean, there was some good stuff. Just the fights didn't matter. They weren't fighting. I mean, they were fighting for a second paycheck, but they weren't fighting for rankings or stakes or anything like that. And I like to have stakes. I like to have fights mean something and matter. That's that's how I like to view my cards. That's how I I judge cards on paper. Thank you, sir. Jack Della Maddalena, obviously. Dude's real good. He's a real good fighter. Who would I match him up with? I mentioned on on to the next one, I like Alex Barono. I think that's a good fight. I understand he you could throw him in there with the top 15 guy right now, and it makes sense. You want to see him get tested. And I, th- I actually think Alex Barono would be a good test for him. I think Alex would get in his face. I think Alex is a vet. He's got some really good wins on his resume. Alex would be a real good test to see if this guy's ready for top 15 guys. 
You do that in Perth. Arona will certainly travel there and let those two guys go in there and bang. And if Madeline, JDM can knock out Morono and finish him quick like he's done pretty much everybody else he's fought in the UFC, you got something there, and he gets over big. So that's what I would do. But again, if you want to throw him a top 15 guy, you want to throw him in there with like a Neil Magny or something, I ain't going to complain. But I, I think they have something with this guy. He's a little rough around the edges, a little green in some areas. The dude can strike his ass off. A fight with Neil Magny could be a tough one. Could be a toughie. Because Neil's just Neil's just a, a boa constrictor in there. And I don't know if I want to see that right now. Not in Perth. I want to see him get in there and have a scrap with somebody. That is a step up in competition. If you want to do like if you want to do a Morono or like a Chaos Williams or something, sign me the hell up. Step up. Banger of a fight. It's a test, both of those guys. That's what I would do. But again, if you want to take that shot, do a Magni or something, have at it. I'll watch the hell out of it. All right, Tristan. Hey, Mike, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Um, I want to talk about uh, what, what we just saw this past Saturday when ta- with uh, Natalia Silva. Um, you know, I kudos to you because I think you were the one that mentioned her in her after her first fight, you were just like really high on her. So I want to commend you on that because I think she's really good. I really like her. I liked her footwork in and out. I mean, they were complaining. I mean, Bisping was complaining. Don't don't take it to the ground. Don't go on the ground. But I think she's pretty good on the ground as well. And um, I just I think I, I think the world of her. I think she can make some noise in this flyweight division. I had her on Otno. I had her facing Melissa Gatto. I think that's a next step up. So like. In your opinion, uh, what do you see what's next for her? What do you see her ceiling is? And that's pretty much all I have today, Mike. Thanks for everything. Thanks, man. God, was good. I picked Jillian Robertson because for the Bisbings and, and those others who feel like maybe the ground game might be a little bit of a, of a hold or a, something that could weigh her down a little bit. At least we get to test it. And I feel like Jillian's a good opponent because if Jillian does get her down and can't get her out of there in the first round, I think Natalia's got a chance to come back and, and do some do some work. So, yeah, she's good, man. I actually picked against her in this fight. In fact, that was the only fight I picked wrong on the entire card. But it was, wasn't because I'm, I'm not a believer in her skills. It's because she's fighting someone who was undefeated, who was 20 years old, who had fought real good competition on the way up and was just way bigger than her. Like that was the biggest thing was the size discrepancy throwing her in there with someone that's five, nine with a 71 inch reach advantage. I felt like that was going to give her problems. Not because I don't think her skills are good, but I think she would have given a lot of people problems. But that first round I was like, all right, this is kind of what I expected. And then her opponent got tired and Talia just beat the hell out of her the rest of the way. And that knockout was unbelievable. So yeah, let's give her, let's give her a step up. Let's not rush her too fast, but I think Jillian Robertson's a, a good pick. Gato would be a good one as well. So yeah, I'm still very high on her. I did pick against her, but it wasn't because I'm not impressed with their skills. I was just like, damn, they're just throwing her in there with the biggest rangiest fighters in the division. Went from jazz and jazz Davizius to Bleza, man. Holy cow. Just just big fighters, big flyweights. But she's good. 
Let's go to Kevin. What's up, Kevin? Just got to unmute yourself. There you go. What's up, Mike? There we go. What's um, up? How you doing? Just a random question. I was uh, on YouTube and just rabbit hole of UFC fights and stuff, and I, I saw a timeline from uh, MMA fighting. I used to love those. I was just wondering what happened to the timeline, and is it coming back? And uh, I'm also thankful for the one and only uh, Jed Mishu. I love you, Jed. Uh, answer my DMs, please. Okay, bye. I mean, how can we not? We should all be grateful for Jed Mishu. Uh, speaking of Jed, we're going to do a – there's going to be no – obviously, BTL, we, we do the, the live shows on Thursday. Uh, not happening this week, obviously, with Thanksgiving. But tomorrow afternoon, Jed and I are just going to do a BTL podcast. We're just going to hit record and go. We've done these a few times. We did it before pay-per-views and stuff where I was on the road or if I was covering an event. Like, we wouldn't do a live BTL. We would just do Jed and I hitting record and just talking about what's going on. No real game plan. Just getting after it. And uh, we're going to do the same thing here. So, it's just going to be him and I chit-chatting, challenging each other a bit. Uh, no real timeline or game plan or nothing. Um and usually those are my favorite shows to do. So that's going to happen. By the time you're getting ready to wake up for Thanksgiving morning here in the United States, you'll be able to listen to that pod uh, all produced and ready to go. And it should be a lot of fun for your commute wherever you are going. The timelines, I'm not really sure. I don't have like an answer. My guess would just be, I could tell you this, as you can see watching those, they take a long ass time to put together. And the iconic voice of Esther Lynn is a very busy, she's very busy. She's out, you know, being the best photographer in the history of combat sports. She's doing a lot of voiceover work. So I think it's just that I did. Lo I loved what they did. Um, with the 281 stuff going through the, the rivalry between Adesanya and Pereira. Casey producing and, and Sean Alshadi just crushed it with the voiceovers. I, I would be stunned if we don't do more of those, but um, the timelines is just a lot. And I just don't know if, I don't know if Esther really has the time to do them anymore, but that's my guess. Don't really know, but that's probably why. All right. I got to go, but I'll take you four corner sports. What's up? I know buddy? you're probably flying high after the, that Patriots win. But, That's right. They suck, but they still get the job done. That defense is sick. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you. So you were speaking about one hundred, uh, the the strawweight fighter. I mean, the Cody's fighting uh, against uh, Angela Hill. Now, I think very highly of Emily the Cody. I was at the Long Island card. What's this girl's ceiling? Because I mean, I know she she was really attacking the Jessica Penny in that fight on the Long Island card. How do you see stylistically this matching up for her? I think uh, this girl, if she gets, is if she's able to get past Angela Hill, and she within maybe in the next eighteen months, you know, compete for maybe like a top five strawweight um, ranking. And as, and do you think that the UFC should have placed Ty Tuivasa versus uh, Sergey Pavlovich in the main in the in, I'm sorry, in the main event? All right, thanks, Mike. Yeah, I don't even know if that's the co-main event anymore. 
I think um, – let me pull up the, the card real quick. I think that was originally supposed to be the co-main event, but I think they shuffled that up a little bit. Uh, let me pull up the card and see where we're at. Yep, so as according to the UFC website, Brian Barberina, RDA is the co-main event. Mateus Nicolau, Matt Schnell, the featured bout. Tai Tuivasa, Sergey Pavlovich is the f- third main card fight. Then you got Brunson Hermanson, Anders Dawkins, and then the prelims. Nico Price, Phil Rowe is the featured prelim. Angela Hill, Emily Dakota, I'll get to that in a second. Clay Guida, Scott Holtzman, Michael Johnson, Mark Casey, Darren Elkins, JSP. Tracy Cortez, Amanda Hebas, probably the fight with the most stakes involved. Buried on the prelims. Uh, Natan Levy, Gennaro Valdez, Marcelo Rojo, Francis Marshall, and then the returning Yasmin Uruguay against Estela Nunez. That's the first fight of the card. So, so Orlando card is freaking fire, man. It's a real good one. As far as Hilda Cody goes, I mean, look, Emily Cody has paid her dues. She has paid her dues. She's fought, I mean, her first pro fight was Emily Whitmire in 2015. She's fought real good competition. Had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight fights in Bellator. Bruna Vargas, Kenya Miranda, Alimale McFarlane, Katie Collins, who was six and one at the time. Jessica Middleton was somebody they had high hopes for, beat her. Then she fought Alimale again, fought Christina Williams. I think Dakota won that fight, but. Christina got the nod. Veda Ortega at the time was a really tough opponent. And then she just went on, did the damn thing in Victa. The Kanaka Murata fight was a close one. A lot of people felt the Cody won that one. And now she's just clicking, man. She's clicking on all cylinders. She's about to hit her athletic prime, and she's doing so at the right time. But she has paid her dues, man. She's had she's fought tough competition on the way up. Gets Jessica Penny in her first fight, which is not an easy one. And now she's fighting Angela Hill in her second UFC fight. Ceiling's pretty high, man. I don't know if I if I look at her like a quite like an Aaron Blanchfield at flyweight or like a Casey O'Neill at flyweight, but pretty close. Maybe like a, a half a notch below that. But I'm still very I'm still very high on her. Still very high on her. I've been she's 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 real good, man. She's real good. And we'll see what she could do against uh, an absolute gamer in Angela Hill coming up next Saturday at UFC Orlando. I can't wait for that card. That one is going to be a doozy. I will not be there live uh, for those who are wondering. Uh, but that's okay. That's okay. December is going to be crazy. As I'll fill you in on what's going on in December a little bit. Uh, we're not sure. We're probably going to do the watch party again. So I'm excited for that for 282. Uh, details to be to be announced sooner rather than later. Um, and then we have the last card of the year. And I think like right before that December 17th card, I'm taking two weeks off. Just got to spend some time with the family. And it won't be like the typical Mike Heck vacation where I'll still do the shows and stuff. No. I haven't like, because even when I take time off and take vacations, I still do the shows. I'm, not, I'm actually just going to not do anything for those two weeks and just hang out with the family, travel a little bit, 
see some of my other family members and just enjoy the last couple of weeks. But rest assured, for Josh Thompson and everybody else, I will be back for the Ryzen versus Bellator card. I think December 30th is my last day of the vacation. Um, but I will be ready. There's no way I'm missing New Year's Eve in the Ryzen versus Bellator card because I'll never hear the end of it. But that's what December's looking like at the moment. So we'll not be in Orlando, but we're going to get out of here. Thank you very much for listening. I appreciate you. We'll be back on Friday. No show Thursday. We'll be back Friday, 10 a.m. We'll get you ready for the $50 PFL World Championship pay-per-view event. And we'll see what you guys are all excited about when it comes to that. But thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your day. And as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.